Aaron Sorkin is a very idealistic person. And he's and that's one of the reasons why people that love Sorkin love Sorkin because I he's not presenting to you that that's the way the world is. Mm-hmm. But it's the way he wants the world to be. And to me, that is art. Right? I'm not, Again, I'm not necessarily watching art and stuff to, for you to tell me exactly how the world is in every single facet. That was what I wanted. I watch documentaries and I don't watch documentaries. So, Sorkin's idealistic. When Sorkin gives his character this big speech, the cynic or the, the dubious, which you are, you're not a cynic, but you're dubious. The dubious can be like, eh, I don't really, that's not really the way the world works. But right, but a Sorkin fan or someone that's all in on Sorkin is like, I know that's not the way the world works, but I mean, take me along. I want the world to work like that. And like, so a, a common critique of the film is that it's, especially in the light, in light of 2020 and what happened in 2020, that it was maybe too optimistic or naively optimistic in, in the, what it was trying to say in the way it ended, which is like, it's a very, again, I, I'm not very affecting its, look, when Thomas Hayden stands up and says those lines, it might on paper be corny or cringy, but like, I feel like it works. It's worked both times I watched it. I've like, I felt something. But, um, so an argument could be like, yes, is this not, like, should Sorkin go after the Nixon administration a bit more in this film? He's not, like, he's, he's not sharp enough in his critique. That's been a common critique that I've seen of, of the film. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or do you think, yeah. Um... Yeah, um, good point actually, because I think it's one of those things where I couldn't say it was in my head, but I just couldn't string out the words to say them. That I think in Sorkin movies, there's there always has to be that big, you know, grandeuristic speech to tie it all together, and this big speech is kind of like the kind of like the winning debate, kind of like the winning speech in a in a debate kind of thing, and. It all kind of relates to, you know, how he likes dialogue and, you know, debates are basically are like battles and you win debates with like your big speeches and stuff like that. So I think he kind of applies that to movies as well, especially if it's like a courtroom drama as well. Like that's just, you know, that's, that's it. There's always going to be that big, that one big speech to basically win the movie if that makes sense so i think i think that's right and you know this speech is basically supposed to um you know solve or you know bring about peace in the world and it's just this isn't how the work how the how the world works Okay, that's a bit hard. Is the, is the speech supposed to bring about peace in the world? Well, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm obviously, I'm just being. Um, yeah, but I mean, isn't the speech just really just them saying this? The speech is about to. It's supposed to solve. It's supposed to win the movie. It's supposed to win the conflict. The, the movie conflict. Basically, this is supposed to be. The one where it's supposed to hammer home the point, and obviously it relates to. Obviously, it's a courtroom drama, so it's like it's courtroom dramas are debates anyway. But um, I think, I mean, doesn't that kind of play to your idealistic point on how he? I mean, he wants the world to be a better 
he wants the world to be he has an idea of what what he wants the world to be and i think he wants the world to be a much better place and i think in his movies he usually has these speeches or these big statements which allude to the fact that the world can be a much better place i'm not sure if i'm making any sense but like you said that's not how the world works like yeah but should that matter in the film um i mean it's he's trying to tell him he's trying to tell a story so i mean not everyone is david fincher not everyone is alfred hitchcock in what in what sense that the world is all nihilistic and you know this darker sense of how evil always not always prevails but how there's always this you know underlying evil in the world and stuff like Mm -hmm, that but mm -hmm. i think he's always trying to for um sorkin i think that maybe maybe not maybe not even with the speech but there's there always has to be a point where there was victory and we all lived i don't i don't say we all lived happily ever after but we kind of all lived happily ever after kind of but that's that's the thing right sokin is he's very idealistic yes but he also i don't think he wants to write a film where or at anything where what he believes is wrong wins quote unquote right he has his ideals and he believes that what he believes those ideals should always win the day and is I, I don't know is that so wrong I, I don't i don't know if i'm against that like i don't want to write a film where i believe every where everything i believe is wrong just wins um so i don't think it should affect the the viewing of the film or the reception of the film in my opinion i don't want to, uh, i don't want to, this is so unfair but i'm this is so unfair i'm basically comparing this guy to i'm i'm think just thinking of the Coen brothers and I know they've been directing movies for almost 40 Maybe years careful, now. Because I've not seen all of them, so don't spoil what you're about to talk about. Burn After Reading. Okay, I've seen that. That movie is basically nothing makes sense in the world. Yeah, but again, those are that's a different genre and type of film. Those are, those are dark comedies. I guess so. I guess so. Or, I mean... Or they did write No Country for Old Men, where they... You know, yeah, yeah. Have you watched that movie? No, not yet. You haven't watched... Okay, okay. Where it was quite different in how things... um, How the movie resolved itself. And it's not like I'm looking for, like, variety. But I think, like you said, um, I think he's... And it's, I mean, it's not his fault, or I mean, that's kind of like how he thinks about, you know, his way of expression and stuff. But I think he always has this, and things, either things, you know, and we all lived happily ever after, or and things would be all right we, at the end of the day, and we'll all be fine because this character overcame the situation so i think we will all we're all going to be all right we're all going to we're all going to be fine and is that is that a thing that we don't want to believe in 2021 we can we can believe in uplifting things but i think like you said as a cynic 
like myself. Um, and I mean, when you think of all the atrocities that happen, that are still happening, and I don't want to like get to, you know, bring in the idea of theology and I don't want to get all deep like that and stuff, but I, I just have this, like, I, that's not how I see the world. Maybe that's the way he sees the world. Maybe that's just a disconnect in, you know, our ways of, on, I don't think that's, as I said this earlier though, I don't think that's how he sees the world. I think that's why he hopes the world to be. That's the point. That, that's the, two different, the social network, there's a reason, so not social network, the newsroom, Mm-hmm. wasn't based in the present time. It was based in the past, right? In the immediate past, because he wanted mm-hmm. to rectify mm-hmm. either the news's approach to stories or like how they covered stories or what happened with those stories, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the point. He's not he's not trying to say that this is what the world is, because if that was if that was the point, then he'll make it in the present time and he or, would... or he's saying but you're not saying like and if we if we all come together and we all kind of look within ourselves and see that this is all bullshit, we can we can create change within the news aspect. And you think that's not true? <laughs> no. no. I mean, people have different ways of, people have, people have different senses of what is right and what's correct and, and, you know, what, you know, different senses of beliefs and stuff. So, I mean, people are raised differently and I don't think that's, I guess, it kind of plays to your point on it's quite naive in him thinking if you kind of all do this it's all we're all going to be we're all going to be fine at the end of the day but people have a different people have different explanations on what it means to be on the happy days on you know how we on definition of fine in this in this um certain situation i'm talking on this scenario i'm talking about and with that, um, with that, there's always going to be friction, and there's always going to be conflict. Yeah, look, I get what you mean, and I'm I choose to believe in the optimism of the soaking world. I don't believe in it in the real world, but I believe it in the world that he has created for me. It's the same way I, I choose to believe in the darkness that Finch has created in his world. And look, it's a different argument we made about whether we should look at art and entertainment as showing us what the real world is, and do we do we need to put that kind of pressure on them, or can we just believe whatever stories they're telling? That's a different argument. But um, I mean, I mean, you can, yeah, I think you kind of take entertainment for what it, that entertainment is trying to be. No, no, yeah, I, I get that, but I'm saying like, Sorkin has created a world for himself. For every every film, every TV show has its own world, and I choose to believe in the optimism of that world. I choose to believe that in his world that he's created, that mm-hmm. decent people mm-hmm. do decent things, there will be decent results. I'm not saying I don't think that I don't take that into the rule. I don't think that's how life works, but I choose to believe for each each story world. And I think it, again, it goes down to how much invested in soaking you are. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with the same thing, same thing with like any singular voice. Right, Tarantino has some stuff that, like, if you're invested in Tarantino, if you like him, you take them. If you don't, you're like, nah, that's what is that? Fincher has some stuff that you're like, if you're on board, Fincher, you're like, yeah. If not, you're like, this is too dark and too nihilistic. So I think, I think it depends on, I think it depends on how involved or invested you are in each person, 
because they have such a singular voice. But um, Obiur, thank you. You need to get some fucking joy in your life, man. <laughs> I've seen things, man. <laughs> Look, I'm sure you and I are going to have probably more discussion offline about the whole how do you approach change and everything, but I think it's it's a definitely an interesting conversation and it's one that I kind of think that Sorkin has a side just from watching the film. I kind of think he, I know what he's doing. So ex- expand on that a little bit. I think he's on Abby Hoffman's side for this film. What do you think? Who do you think he's like writing as the correct person um no one really i didn't i i didn't really get that from like i think i think i was trying to make a point on um i think it's my kind of lean to what you're saying on how abby hoffman was trying to call um to the or you know, raise the hypocrisy of the character of Tom Hayden and how he was quite, I don't, not full of shit, how he was a bit, um, just the whole fantasy of how you can, I can only, we can only um, inflict change through elections and stuff and how he was Mm -hmm. trying to ridicule that you know, sense of thinking and that whole, you know, idea of how, that whole ideology, I'd say. So maybe, maybe that, I think that kind of plays to your points that I think that's probably what, um, what his face was going for. But I think, I mean, and the, was it this kind of towards the, in the middle of the movie where they have this conversation on how, I mean, Tom Hayden does basically calls, the Abby Hoffman character, like, what does he do? Like, he just... He basically says that he's going to... He's going to ruin the liberals' chances for the next, like, decades. Whenever I think of liberals, I can think of, like, people that smoke and people that are just, like, are free. They're not going to think about anybody that's serious. Which is basically, what like, it's basically questioning, like, what's, what's your end goal? Like, what's... Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go? How do you think this method of your methods can apply or can lead to, you know, a substantial change in society? And I think that's, you know, it's an interesting question we're talking about early on. And I think, I think that's kind of, um, Sorkin does that, but he also does it from the other side as well, where you actually realize like, oh, this Abby Hoffman character is actually quite you know, there's a lot a lot more to him than what you see on the surface. And it flips back to the Tom Hayden character and says, um, I mean, you really believe all change can be brought about and brought, you know, brought about through elections. And it's that kind of dumb argument on you guys should go and vote and it's only for votes that we can, um, we can actually get you know any substantial reforms to society and Hoffman is basically mm-hmm. saying but I mean are you living in fucking Disneyland that doesn't make any sense that's not how the real world works 
and I, that's why I kind of said um, none for your quest for your question because I think Fincher and Fincher, I can't call it Fincher. Gosh, social network is still on my mind. <laughs> As it should be, everybody else's mind. As it should be, exactly. I think that's what Sorkin is looking for. I don't think he's trying to lead. I think he's trying to give the viewers a decision to make on what exactly. What do you think? Oh no, yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's posing a leading question. I just think that in writing, you maybe it's just me. I can sense who he's more in line with as his writer. I'm not saying he he's posing it. I don't think the film takes a side, but I think him as a writer, I can just feel like mm, I think his writing is a bit more passionate than his writing the other guy. But I might be wrong. What do I know? I mean, um, that's your. I mean, that's how you. That's how you. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Let's talk about Keaton. Let's talk about Keaton. Batman? Let's talk about Keaton, man. Birdman. Um, this is just this, this, this is just incredible, man. He just comes in, does stuff, and just leaves. Like, it's just incredible. Comes in for 10 minutes and leaves. That's a truly and performance. Like, and Michael Keaton. Like, he just, like, he just, he just comes in and was like, Ooh, I was like, where did you come from? It. Like, just do it. Um... Yeah, you know, I obviously watched the film twice, and like I think when it was good, I was like, "Ooh, I'll get it to Keaton, I'll get it to Keaton." Um, Did you know he was coming. I didn't know he was coming. No, as in like I watched it twice. The second time I watched. Oh, it. the second time. Oh, I see. So my bad, my bad. Uh, the first time I watched it, I knew Keaton was in the film. But I just forgot. So when it came, I was like, "Oh wow, that's surprising." Oh no, no, I didn't know it was in the film. But he's in the thumbnail on Netflix. Is he? Yeah, so I was watching oh. play. It was his picture that was this. I was like, oh, well, Keaton's in this film? But I forgot by the time he was coming on. And um, If Seven had been released today, the fucking... Oh, oh my God. Can you that was the cover? Yeah, oh. just, oh, what's, is there any need to watch the fucking movie now? <laughs> and what's going to happen? 